Welcome to the Wealth Standard Podcast with host Patrick Donahoe, author of the best-selling personal finance book, Heads I Win, Tales You Lose, and one of the nation's most influential financial advisors. The Wealth Standard's focus this season is investing. 2020 opened with markets and asset prices at all-time highs, but many of us experience more financial uncertainty now than we did a decade ago. Although there are more choices and opportunities than ever before, the risk-to-reward ratio teeters on a global fulcrum, contributing to the roller coaster of emotions surrounding financial well-being. It seems like everyone is walking on eggshells. This season, we'll cover topics revolving around investment theory and strategy, atypical investments versus conventional investments, and the role of investing within personal wealth strategies. The Wealth Standard Podcast is committed to inspiring you to be more financially free. There is no better time to gain clarity about your wealth strategy, your investments, and your financial future than now. Hi, everyone. This is Patrick. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. I get to sit down with a rich dad advisor, investor, author, educator, and uh, someone who I consider a close friend. He's been on the show before. His name is Andy Tanner. You can go check out Andy at andytanner.com or the cashflowacademy.com. Andy also has a pretty awesome podcast. Andy and I both had the opportunity recently to interview Jim Rickards about his new book, The New Great Depression. I had a chance to read it. Andy and I get to compare notes about our interview as well as some of the experiences we had in 2020, what we see coming in 2021. Lots of stuff going on, so you guys are in for a treat. Now, before I get to the interview, I have a special announcement of sorts. There is a free online virtual event coming up with someone that I've known for several years. He's also a platinum partner with uh, the Tony uh, Robbins Group. I've had a chance to sit by him and learn from him. His name's Brad Sumrock. He is considered the uh, apartment king, and he specializes in educating people about investing in multifamily residential real estate. So he has a free event coming up in the first week of February 2021. You can go get more details at bradsumrock.com or head over to the show notes. And he has a pretty cool lineup of speakers. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki is one of the headliners, as well as Ken McElroy, Tom Wheelwright, and Robert Helms from the Real Estate Guys Radio. So it's a free event. You know, right now is a great time to educate yourself. There is a lot of movement when it comes to people leaving one state and going to another. Salt Lake is just an, you know, when I moved, there were hardly any people and it seems like buildings are being torn down by the dozen and apartments going up just because of the influx of people. And that is just a drop in the bucket compared to people going to states like Texas, Florida, uh, et cetera. So it's a great time for that specific type of investing. At the same time, go educate yourself first so you know what you're doing. All right, guys, hope you enjoy that. If you miss the links, you're driving and can't write it down, go ahead over to the show notes at thewellstandard.com. They will all be there. Now, Brad also has... A uh, big presence on Facebook, and so we'll post the links on our Facebook page. So make sure you go and like the Wealth Standards what, uh, Facebook page as well as Instagram. That's it. Hope you enjoy the interview. We'll see you next week. Taking a break from the show, you know, entrepreneurs inspire me. I love meeting leaders of successful ventures who discover an idea, formulate the business, and then execute. You'd assume that they know how to structure their personal finances. I believed that too, but I was wrong. Entrepreneurs are never taught to effectively manage their wealth to work alongside their business and lifestyle. All of that work, effort, toil, and time wasted. Entrepreneur 101 is an online course that teaches you a financial strategy that works so that success is not a flash in the pan, but lasting. The spirit of the entrepreneur doesn't have to be compromised. Register for the Entrepreneur 101 course today for free at thewealthstandard.com forward slash E-N-T. That's Echo November Tango. Thewealthstandard.com forward slash E-N-T. Hey everyone, this is Patrick. Thank you for 
being a part of the podcast this week. Yes, you're a part of the podcast. We're speaking to you. I have a good friend and mentor and shoulder to lean on. COVID-19 shoulder to lean on. Fashion icon in a sense. The thing, a fashion icon, I would say that. I know that I thought you were dress well. In our relationship, I'm pretty sure you're the mentor. I am the mentee or the apprentice or whatever you call me. But Patrick, you and I have been friends for a long time, man. I think you're the only dude I've ever dated. We had some mandates. We had some mandates. They weren't like mandates for healthcare, but if there's a cool movie that we don't think our wives would like, we just took <laughs> up and go, right? Well, we did take the wives to a movie once. I didn't yeah. seem to enjoy it as much. I don't like, as our, we style. Did. I don't like our style, so we got to hang out together. But thanks for having me, man. It's always good to hang out. And you, you're a person, Patrick, that like you, man, you spend so, you know, like it's like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett gave a town hall once. They go, what's the most important thing you guys do every day? And both of them said, learn, study. And that embodies just really what you do. You always seem so well read and you always are abreast of the latest, greatest everything, you know, whether it's a gadget or a technology or a policy or a business philosophy. I love hanging out with you because you stay on the cutting edge of everything, man. You're the smart one because you circumvented all the stuff that stands in between, (laughs) right? What I'm trying to do and what the end result is, because the end result ultimately comes down to, you know, psychology and how people behave and what makes them do this, what makes them do that, how to predict it. And, you know, in the end, I've had to learn a lot of those lessons thinking, you know, understanding details, understanding facts make that much of a difference. But in the end, right, human behavior, if you really understand it, is is predictable. Psychology is, I think it's the most, how our noggins work, I think it's the most fascinating hobby that I have. People say, why would a guy who wants to teach, you know, primarily stocks and option trading so much about psychology? Well, that's what drives every decision is, you know, that combination of emotion, maybe thrown in with some rationalization, some logic. I just think trying to figure out how my brain works or doesn't work or works flawedly in flaw. Is that a word? It has flaws. I just made up a new word, man. But yeah, I think it's a fascinating thing. And I think it really speaks to what we're going to be talking about today in terms of, you know, what, you know, 2020 came to a close and now we're post-pandemic world. And there's so much to talk about in terms of economy and monetary policy globally and fiscal ideas and politics ideas. And it's just, it's it's a great movie to watch right now. No, you know, it's an ideal case study that will be used for the ages on how people respond, not just individuals, but governments and businesses and markets. And that's why, you know, I wanted to do this podcast at the beginning of 2021, you know, especially after you and I both got a chance to interview and talk to Jim Rickards about his new yeah. about his new book is it's not so much learning where to invest or what to pay attention to. For me, I think the biggest lesson in 2020 and, you know, after COVID was understanding how an environment can impact you. And then being prepared to see how the environment is going to evolve. Because frankly, like my business did really good in 2020. I don't know if I did good as a business person because my environment changed and I found myself coming to, you know, an empty building, not associating with people. And I didn't realize like how much, you know, energy and motivation and how much I relied on that in the past until I was gone. It was hard. I'm going to give people a, peek behind the curtain. So up, you know, Patrick has a good side of office. I don't know how many people you have employed there, but it was sizable. You know, you had a good spacious office, you know, several levels, many rooms. But I got to tell you, I went up there pandemic, everybody. And, you know, the golf mechanism that Patrick had to burn off all that energy is phenomenal. I mean, he's got, he's got dents in it. You know, it held most of them, only a couple of shanks. You're a pretty good golfer. Half a dozen, I'll bet half your, a dozen golf game, I'll bet your golf game went through the roof during the pandemic, man. It Burning that energy. <laughs> but, but it's, one, it's one of those things where it was like, yeah, that, 
I don't like to admit it, right? Where, you know, that's, that's occupied and, and helped me, you know, just kind of balance out what was going on. Up, up here. Energy. Like yeah. you said, burn off the energy. So I liked what you said, and this might be, you know, the first section we talk about is people write books, you know, books that are mishmashy don't sell very well, but books that take a stand and make bold statements and, and what people, I think the illusion people have that might be noteworthy is the first thing to talk about is we very much psychologically like surety. We like to know what tomorrow is going to look like. We're not big into negative surprises. You know, if a positive surprise happens, but we don't like unsurety at all as human beings. And so when someone can make a prediction, whether it be a good prediction or a prediction of a Holocaust or an economic meltdown or, you know, global warming or whatever, you know, inconvenient truths. When someone comes out and says, this is what the future is going to hold. This is what you can expect. It's going to be ugly or it's going to be good either way. They get people's attention. And that's great. And I think that there's a lot of voices right now like that. I have an opinion. But what you said at the top of the podcast that I think is worth noting is to have a psychology of preparation, say, well, that's a possible future. You know, when talking to Jimmy says, look, it's easy to predict the future. All I do is one, two, three. I love the idea. You know, I'm an overgrown boy scout. Were you a boy scout? I was an Eagle scout. Eagle scouts, always an Eagle, right? (laughs) I barely got mine before I was 18. Barely got under the wire. My but, dad bribed me with a couple hundred bucks if I got it before I was 16. So I was right underneath the wire. But, you know, they have some good laws and they have a good slogan and they have a great motto and the motto is be prepared. And, you know, as I look at, we might, I don't know if you want to get into these details or not, but as I look at some of the things that, you know, Rickards calls for, I think it's a possible future. I think it's, it's one pathway that, you know, in his crystal ball he sees is it what's going to happen? Well, I think it's worth preparing for in case. And I think that as an investor and a businessman and an entrepreneur is a great approach to, you can't be scared of ghosts, but you know, there's a reason. I mean, well, you're in the insurance business. I mean, that's insurance is a preparatory move against something that might happen, not something that will happen necessarily to you. Correct. Absolutely. And that's the, you hit the nail on the head where, you know, life is essentially a balance between certainty and uncertainty, right? On one side of the scale, you have certainty where if there's disruption, like we get freaked out, right? Because there's this built-in fear mechanism to pres- you know help us to stay alive and want, and want to be alive. But yet yeah. if everything was certain, life would be incredibly boring. We want excitement. We want new, we want novel. And so it's this, it's this balance, right? So, so that's where, I don't know, understanding the environment in the frame of it's going to change. It's going to evolve sometimes, you know, very subtly, sometimes COVID-19, you know, earthquake, right? Where it's pretty profound, but yet it's understanding, okay, what happens and then what could be the results of the environment and then how you operate within that environment and within that frame. And that's where I think those that master those and you know not to like a hundred percent absolute you nail it all the time, but at least understand and are aware of it. Number one, I think they're better business people, they're better professionals. Number two, they're better investors, but number three, like they're better people, right? They know it's gonna happen and they don't, you know, knee jerk react, freak out, and you know, go off the rails emotionally, you know? Because it's funny if you have a podcast. I feel an, an arrogance because I have a podcast, because then you think if you ever write a book or have a podcast, you feel like, well, I have something worth listening to, right? And I think people might get the wrong idea with that posture, at least on my side. You know, when you talk about knee-jerk reactions, I would say March of 2020, I was mortified. Like my fear gauge was buried at the top, right? I knew investing-wise it was a time to buy. I knew investing wise, it was a time not to freak out. You know, Buffett always says, be greedy when people are fearful and fearful when people are greedy. So I knew that was a buying opportunity. Nonetheless, man, the unknowns, I really said, Andy, you got to work on your spirit. You got to work on your emotions because I was 
frightened about this virus and where it could go and what it could do. And I'm not as frightened uh, today because I think you have a little bit more time. I think we got a, an economic pandemic that's coming next. That, yeah, that-, that was a precursor where I'm hoping it's one of those like I've been reading these uh, warrior warrior books with Jack. So there are these Jocko Willink. Do you know Jocko? I don't. How is Jack now? Probably. he's uh, He'll be seven in a couple months. Eight, seven. I came home one day and he was watching these like diary of a wimpy kid. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, no, you're not. So I, anyway, so I found these books called the warrior kid, like journey of a warrior kid that yeah. did Jocko yeah. wrote yeah. as like a, <laughs> a counterbalance to diary of a wimpy kid. <laughs> I mean, you know, I picture you like Adam Sandler, you know, in happy Gilmore, the hockey player. Poor Jack, he's going to be in the batting cage taking baseballs. <laughs> so I was reading, you know, there's a there's a a story in one of the books where like his uncle is this like Navy SEAL and he's this like you know ten year old kid, right, spending the summer with his Navy SEAL uncle, but he you know has this threshold of pull ups. You can only do like three. So his uncle has him, you know, get up to this pull up bar and do one hundred, and not all at once, but just. Until you rest, then another, then another, all the way until he gets 100 to get through that plateau. But then after a couple of days, he was able to do five and then break through that, you know, break through that plateau. So the reason I bring that up is, you know, I, I think 2020 was one of those breaking through, hopefully for some, for most, it was breaking through that threshold because what's to come, you know, as Rickards points out, is, you know, the ripple effect. Right. Yeah. It's the tsunami, the earthquake happened. Now it's like wave after wave where you're going to have some disruption in different sectors. Right. And who knows what, again, it's one of those changing and evolving environments. And how will you respond? Will you respond in that knee jerk, fear based reaction of 2020, where, you know, it was the case with most people because that fear went viral just because it wasn't a subtle change, it was a significant, like, boom change. Right. They went throughout the world. Yeah. And so rightfully so, you know, look, you look back at it and like, wow, that was crazy. Just how governments responded, how people responded, kind of how businesses responded. It's a great case study, as I said, but what's to come, hopefully it's prepared us to understand how the environment could change and then subsequently how we operate within that environment. I think 2020, and I, I have to be careful when I say this, because in today's world, you just have to be careful what you say. And I think that's probably a good thing because I wouldn't want to say anything that hurts someone's feelings or anything less. So the first thing we'll say is, you know, condolences to anyone who lost someone to coronavirus or who lost their job or became in a rough economic situation because of condolences, those guys. And let's just say that right there with that in mind and said in a way Aside from those types of tragedies, 2020 is a gift. I'm telling you, it's a gift. And I'll tell you why. It could have been so much worse. And it was almost like just, it was almost like, it was, I went, it's not like a fire drill, okay? It's not like that. But it gave us a glimpse of a few very important things that gives you a chance to be prepared. Let me maybe go further into that. When coronavirus hit, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this is going to be devastating. And I remember you called me in March. You go, dude, is this going to be your best year ever? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, Andy, your business is built for this, right? You have, you know, telecommuters everywhere and you have systems set up on the web, you know, and it kind of hit me between the eyes. I'm like, how come I shouldn't feel like he does? You know, because everything you said was true. You know, was, but here's what's interesting. We had more people interested in learning financial education than ever in the history of our business. And a lot of them were very honest about it. They said, you know, I feel like a Johnny come lately. I feel like this is something I knew I should have done. I knew I should have studied more. I knew I should have been more prepared. I knew I should have been smarter. And, but now I'm here now. And I think that's a great lesson for us to really reflect on here is this could have been so much worse uh, pandemic wise. Like there could have been a lot like this, you know, black plague type stuff. There's, there's worse viruses that could have hit us than this one. Number two is it's going to give you just a, a little bit of time, not much, but a little bit of time to think about the economic people go from social to primal pretty quick, pretty quick. 
And I just remember, you know, I was sick in March. I don't know if I had coronavirus or just a bad flu, but I was sick in March. So I didn't go out anyway. So when we finally went out and, you know, kind of got out and about, we went to the grocery store and we're looking at these bare shelves. I was like, this is surreal. This is like apocalyptic, man. This is nuts. You know, I never have understood the toilet paper thing. That's still going on, I think. But you take that experience and you say, oh, so this is what primal begins to look like a little bit. Everyone for themselves. You would never teach your son or daughter to go to a pizza party and just grab as much pizza for themselves <laughs> as they could. You know, you say you first, please. But the reality is that's what happened in the grocery stores. Well, as you have an economic fallout, there's a lot of lessons in preparing. How am I going to prepare for those types of grabs and those types of primal behaviors in stock markets and real estate markets and business markets? I think 2020 is a little bit of a gift that way in to say, hmm, okay, so 2022, what can I do in 2021 when 2022 falls apart? If it does, if there is a new Great Depression, as Rickert says, it's a gift. It's a, it's a, it's a warning shot in a way. When we talked March, April, I can't remember when it was because I, I think we did a podcast shortly yeah. after that too. Yeah, it was March. It was in the spring. Yeah. And you know, I started seeing a lot of volume of interest in investment. You know, specifically, you know, Paul Trudeau Jones, I, I heard him speak just before you know, it was like, uh, I think it was February of 2020. Uh, he's one of the founders of Robinhood and Robinhood went berserk. It, and I think there was like almost a half a billion uh, dollars in call options credited to just like the, just the Robinhood platform. Right. And you know, that market, right. Where people, you know, and Robinhood's average age is like, you know, 29, 30 years old, right. As far as users. But they rushed in because they saw opportunity, yet they missed a, a key point, which was the education around it. Their education was, you know, Reddit. <laughs> it was. It was Johnny Come Lately's. And it wasn't just Robin Hood. Ameritrade, E-Trade, Schwab, all those guys had record quarters in terms of enrollments. The difference between those guys and Robin Hood, I think the average Robin Hood balance is probably like two grand. And the age there, and you know, there were some bad stories and some people. There were Johnny come lately's, you know, to the market. See, they didn't respect what investment really is. They just, it was more like a run on a casino. I think they got the first domino. The first domino was they were aware and they saw opportunity. Yeah. But, but they yet the subsequent domino was down the path that seemed easy, yeah. not down the path that was less trodden. Yeah. So... What did you take away from Rickard's interview? What was the, when you talked to him, what were some of the takeaways there? Well, there's the disjointment, right? And it's basically where, you know, right now markets haven't really corrected much at all. The business world hasn't corrected, right? And what's to come is essentially going to be the fallout. Cause in the end, you know, extending moratorium, you know, the eviction moratoriums. You you extend unemployment benefits. You provide stimulus. I think there was also a huge shift to online work, which was vital. That's so commercial real estate. But commercial real estate, right? Uh, retail, you look at lodging, right? That there's some big sectors that haven't felt like it's my, you know, my landlord. Like my landlord, right? Like we were all about, you know, March and April was like negotiation, negotiation. It's okay. Let's find, you know, we can whittle down this space and we work, work this out. Then they got the bailout and they went to like Costa Rica and I didn't hear from them since. Right. So it's one of those, like, and my lease is up. That's why, you know, we're moving in the next uh, couple of months and, you know, we're not moving to their spaces. We're not, we're not renegotiating. So it's one of, it's like, that's just an example where stimulus acted as this kind of like, it's a shortcut, it's a bandaid. Right. And there's all forms of stimulus but yet when they stop receiving our rent, right? When other uh, businesses are, are forced to like, oh, now I don't have stimulus. What am I going to do? That's when there starts to be the disjointment of, of resource allocation. Now, there could be more money printing. I mean, that's inevitable based on some of Biden's plans. So who knows? But the piper has to be paid at some point in the future, right? Those are artificial. That's an artificial market in a sense. And there's always a day of reckoning. There's a... Uh... I would agree. There, there's a I would call it a detachment from what we call fundamentals. 
And uh, when you detach from fundamentals, you're in trouble. If you are a patient and you have a heart attack and your heart stops beating, that adrenaline shot, you know, that epinephrine, those pads, those are stimulus. Those are stimulants. And they're used when you're dead. They're not carbohydrates. They're not fats. They're not proteins that will keep that heart running well. They're not nutrients. Stimulus is not like a nutrient. It's like a drug. It's like a stimulus. And, you know, when I look at the detachment from fundamentals, I'm completely blown away, especially in the stock market where I you know more about real estate than I do. But, but the stock market is detached from fundamentals. Meaning, what do I mean by that? Well, things being produced and consumed, value being given to people. Now, there's some businesses that have done well that have thrived. You know, Zoom has been hugely valuable to people, right? Stuff like that. All the online stuff, that, that's all great. There's also some fundamental things that, that are not being produced, that are not being expanded. You know, the entertainment industry is, it's rough when people don't go to movies. You know, you can only do so much Amazon and Google Plus and, you know, Apple TV, sports, you know, the NBA. It's going to be interesting to watch the NBA and the NFL. Those guys are pretty highly paid. And when you look at ticket sales and revenues and hot dogs and an 82-game schedule and 40 of those are in your home arena and there's no one there, you know, this is billions of dollars. So I agree with you is that the continued stimulus, you know, just every time they do a stimulus, it's another shock to that heart. And after a while, uh, the heart aren't even going to come back. It doesn't, it lives on nutrients, not paddles and epinephrine and adrenaline. It, it, it lives on nutrition. And we got to go to work. We got to get to work. We got to get going. And I think also, so in as part of this conversation, it's there's some fixed variables, right? But there's a, there's lots of moving variables and even new variables that get introduced, right? And I think that's just, you know, it's the element of, you know, human nature and their drive to want to solve problems, make things better, right? It's that drive of the, yeah. the entrepreneur because you have a lot of, a lot of stuff that's going to come online that may not have if it hadn't been for COVID, right? New supply chain, uh, you know, technologies, there's tons of opportunity, but yet the point of this, the whole theme of this podcast and really where I think there's tons of relevance in what uh, Jim Rickards is, is alluding to is if you're able, this is one of his first rules is get the forecast, right? Yeah. One of his first rules of investing, how to beat the market is get the forecast, right? And that's where if you understand some of the fundamentals of the economy, you can look to what is most likely going to happen. It's never going to be a hundred percent, but You're, getting you know to the eighty percent, to the ninety percent, seeing how the environment is going to move, and then subsequently how you prepare yourself to act when it does, or to act before it does. The challenge with that, you know, fundamental forecasting is kind of half of a forecast. We say this is going to happen. Okay, when's it going to happen? So the what. Fundamentals will tell you what will eventually happen. It'll tell you what will eventually happen. You'll know the future. You just don't know what the day of the week is or the month of the year is. And it's the timing that you you and I went and saw the big short together. And they made a forecast based on fundamentals. Oh, we have all these toxic mortgages. We have all this debt that, that just isn't as good as the rating says it is. And they tried to time it. Well, how many people timed it too early and got it wrong? How many people time to delay got it wrong? You know, those guys look like geniuses because they, they happen to have gotten the timing right. Was that because they were brilliant or because they were lucky? You know, I don't know. But, but it's but also there had to be super high level negotiation at the end, right? In order to actually get those contracts to pay yes. out. Yes. You know, I look at, again, it's just the decisions that are, have been made, whether it's from an investment standpoint or a professional standpoint. And you know, the investments, the business decisions that are going to be made, assuming that the environment is going to go back to normal because we have a vaccine. I think no. people are in for a rude, a rude awakening. And I think he illustrates that. So that's where it's, you know, yeah, I would say again, not. certainty, people want certainty. They want things to go back to normal. They want the variables to be fixed the way that they were because it was working based on what they wanted out of, out of well. life. But yet they just didn't see, you know, the structure of uncertainty and how the weight of that, you know, counterbalanced the certainty. And now it's going to come back in multiple forms. Hopefully people have gotten down the lesson that 
you know, the environment is going to be evolving and there's always going to be opportunity business wise, investing wise, personally. It just comes down to, right? The awareness you have about the fundamentals, about also the changing fundamentals of an environment and how you operate within it. Be careful. Yeah, I would tell everyone be careful with what your vision of back to normal looks like. Be careful what you think that looks like. I mean, for most people, it looks like being able to go to a football game again, not having to wear a mask, and you know, being able to go to the grocery store and have toilet paper on the shelves again. That's what they think normal looks like. Well, let me tell you what. It's almost like a vision of the past. Things back the way they used to be, right? Oh, and things are normal. It's back how it used to be. Well, when things are back how they used to be, just take a look at the financial statement in the United States that when Trump took office, we had a deficit of about a half a trillion, about 500 billion. It's 4.4 trillion right now. Something like that, 4 trillion. I mean, that's an astounding to go from a half a billion deficit or half a trillion deficit. Half a trillion, yeah. Yeah, to 4 trillion. Our debt's gone from you know, 19 trillion to 27 in the bonds we've issued, that's not back to normal. That's a new challenge for Janet Yellen as the Treasury Secretary and for Jerome Powell and for the, in the United States, for Europe and for the Bank of Japan and for the Bank of China. The dollar is way different post-pandemic than it is now. That's why Bitcoin is so volatile. It's not back to normal. If the dollar is normal, Bitcoin wouldn't be doing this, you know, dance that it's doing. No, it's an amazing. Oh. Yeah, I mean, money's flowing. It's that whole Gresham's law, right? Where money floats around to the most certain areas, and when there's uncertainty, it flows out of what was certain before. But that's something that he does. You know, he talks extensively about in his book. Is you know, there is a, a more and more of a push to you know modern monetary theory, and I think that based oh, on right. some of the stimulus that has you know, made itself, you know, just what's going to be the response to when things go bad, just print more money, you know, stimulate. He really says that it's not stimulation, right? There's, it does not stimulate. It's actually going to do the opposite. Did you Uh, read uh, Stephanie Kelton's book on that by chance? He references that book though. Good. I read her book when it came out because I just was curious to see how you argue that. And, you know, it's the concentration of bad ideas in that book's astounding. But that point and how they're selling MMT is just its a little frightening that those ideas can be advanced as far as they are to the levels of politicians that it's getting to because they have an unsolvable problem fiscally. And this seems like a, a bit of a panacea for it. And it's not. Like you say, it's fundamentally flawed. Even if it works, the thing about MMT that, that is really important, if that's our future, and I agree with you, your forecast, mm-hmm. if you say MMT is our future, you're probably right in that forecast. But what that means is whether it works or it's almost scary if it works, because what it means is that's, that changes the talk about the new normal. That changes our relationship with government tremendously because now the value of money is really a function of the authority of the state to jail and penalize people as opposed to a function of value in what we see as valuable in supply and demand. I'll say it again. Modern monetary theory, if it goes forward and continues to go forward, will fundamentally change our relationship with our currency and our government, where currency will no longer be about what we feel is valuable in terms of supply and demand it will become valuable only and solely because of the state's ability to punish its citizens for not coming in line. That takes away your independence and makes you extremely dependent on uh, government. But it so, also, it weakens the human spirit, right? Where well, it weakens mine anyway. It's, yeah, it's basically, you know, and again, this is just to kind of balance out what happened, right? We had stimulus, people relied on stimulus checks, they got unemployment benefits. But if they hadn't, right, what would they have learned in that process? Oh my gosh. That there's a huge opportunity cost there. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking about this with some family members earlier today. Just a matter of fact, is there's this idea that, you know, consumer prices look stable like a balloon. It just looks like the stable balloon, not inflating or deflating, just stable prices. You got a hole 
that's causing it to deflate with technology is causing deflation. The velocity of money, I talked a lot with Jim on, on the velocity of money issue when we had our talk, which is a big, which is deflationary. And then you have a pump going into the balloon called the Federal Reserve with money creation that's inflationary. So the amount of inflationary pressure is at an all-time extreme. The amount of deflationary pressure is at an all-time extreme. And when I say all-time extreme, most money ever printed in the shortest amount of time and lowest velocity of money we've seen since the 60s. So you have these two extremes on the other side of the balloon battling each other that makes it look like a stable price. But if that hole gets a little bigger or that pump goes too far, you can pop it or deflate it that quick. It's not as stable as people think it is. And learning how to deal with both. Well, I think we have to be prepared for both the inflation and the deflation, because I think both those, there's data that shows both of those exist. So prepare for both, you know, because one, it's an arm wrestle. You don't know who's going to win, but they can't arm wrestle in deadlock forever. One of them is going to push the other one over eventually because it's all fake. And this is where, again, hopefully it wasn't misunderstood what I was saying regarding, you know, predicting environment, right? Or seeing what's to come. It's it's knowing that things are going to change and what causes those changes. Because that's, again, it's one of those variables. It's the ever-changing variable is human nature, right? Which is how we respond. People don't know. I mean, you can assume, you can understand human behavior to a point where you can try to predict, but there's always going to be new variables and people are always going to respond differently. So it's one of those understanding the different tenets of the environment in which you live, you operate your business, you invest, you are a professional and provide services to, to others, whether you're an employer or own a business. It's understanding the environment and then how you respond to it and how to mitigate risk going into it so that you're not betting on one outcome. You're not betting on two outcomes. Maybe you have three or four ways in which you think things are going to pivot and you have backup plans and you can adequately, you know, preserve, you know, a couple months without income, or you can preserve, you know, potentially your business and be more agile starting now. And hopefully those are the lessons that people learned in 2000, you know, 2020. So that when this happens, you know, when other events of similar magnitude happen, you're in the position of responding quicker and, you know, in order to improve your life, as opposed to how most people responded, which is, you know, either they let somebody else improve their life yeah. <laughs> through their stimulus or extension of benefits or whatever, temporarily, or you know, they relied on parents or they relied on neighbors, they relied on charity. There's time and a place for all that stuff. At the same time, I don't believe that that creates the lesson that's needed for somebody to grow. So hopefully, those that you know had some pain grew from it, so that this next go around, your muscles are stronger. You can do more pull-ups. Isn't it funny how? I think we all have an education deficit where there's a gap between what we know and what we think, you know, what we'd like to know, right? There's a degree of ignorance in all of us. And so what's funny is, is the harder I pursue to close that deficit, the bigger the deficit becomes because you realize how much you don't know, the more you study, the more you realize you don't know. And so it's almost like the, as I chase to close the deficit, it expands on me, right? And that's my thing for 2020 is, People say, oh, Andy's a stock teacher. I'm not a stock teacher, man. I'm a stock student. I'm trying to learn because my biggest fear is ignorance in this stuff. My biggest fear is not knowing, not, not knowing stuff. So, you know, you're a lot better at it than I am. But, you know, I think the time we spend studying guys like Jim and reading Stephanie Kelvin stuff, whether we agree with it or not, it helps you know what's out there. And it, that's, the best way to prepare first is to learn. And then after you learn, you try to bring your behavior in line with what you've learned. And that's where you're so good with your discipline. But uh, well, I couldn't thing, agree more. You know, I, I would say from like a financial standpoint, right? I went into 2020 like super prepared and good. And I learned a lot of those lessons 2008, 2009 by not being prepared. But getting into this year, what I was surprised by in myself... I wasn't prepared emotionally. I wasn't prepared psychologically where I had all sorts of, you know, environmental variables that I needed in order to be happy, to be feel successful, to be fulfilled, to be excited. And a lot of those went away. And I had to really step back and think about, you know, the life I'm living, uh, what I want, what I want for my family and how I could, 
you know, essentially make an, an impact on others, which I believe that sense of contribution is kind of built in into us where we want to make a difference. For it was a great, you know, several month lesson for me that I don't know if I would have learned, Andy. And now I look at, you know, my experience with my kids, right? Where I don't have to take them on vacation or go to this like, you know, indoor skydiving or I have to do crazy things in order to enjoy them and to enjoy company and be present with them. You know, same thing with Cynthia and same thing with, you know, friends and family. I don't know if I would have got that lesson. So it's allowed me to enjoy life more and not necessarily have attachments or things that have to happen in order to enjoy it. And so I think that's another really interesting thing that I think is going to happen in the future. And I think partly it's accelerated by 2020 is, you know, people are figuring out how to be more efficient. Businesses are not going to go to the space they had before. Right. Yep. People are not going to work the same way they worked before. They're not going to go on vacation. They're not going to entertain themselves the same way. The efficiency is a big thing. And I think they're realizing that they could be happier and be more successful, fulfilled with less. Right. But some people, you know, if you don't know that that's coming, that enjoyment really isn't necessarily a function of having stuff or doing things or, you know, achieving some professional level or money level, wealth level. It's going to be another big lesson for people where, you know, the sustenance level could be zero or very minimal. And now people are going to find themselves saying, I don't, you know, I mean, I have to work 10 hours a week and it's going to, you know, a lot of people attach their meaning in life to their work and their, you know, what they do on a daily basis. And that's, I think, is going to shift at a pretty rapid pace over the next decade. And I'm not sure if people are prepared for that. The simplification is an interesting thing. I had a friend of mine who, spent a lot of time in the NBA as a basketball player and you know they're pretty well paid and you know his nest egg is you know okay he's gonna be absolutely just fine he had a bigger house and he sold his house and he moved to uh, a rural state and started a farm and he's ordering chickens and pigs and I go what do you know about that he goes I'm just gonna read about it and his focus is simplification just narrowing down and uh, it's gonna be fun to watch him because his happiness level is about health and family and, you know, just being closer to the land. And it's going to be, you're right. I had the best year with my family I've ever had. It was awesome. You know, that way I was frustrated though. I was scared for myself. Of course, I'm not a brave guy. I'd hate to come off that way because I wasn't, I was scared, but I was really bothered by my inability to help anybody. I saw people that were scared. I saw people hurting. And other than teaching them how to you know, trade through it, that was all I had to offer. And I realized most people don't even trade. Most people don't have uh, an interest in their 401k. And here I saw all these people just getting you know, annihilated in their markets. And I was powerless to help. That was a really good experience to look back on and say, well, if this happens again, am I going to be able to help people? Or am I going to be helpless to help them? You don't know you're helping until after the fact, but it's one of those, you know, you can go help by giving a person money on the, uh, that's you know homeless, or you can help by donating to charity. Or you can help by supporting a, you know, your favorite restaurant that yeah. was impacted by not yeah. having enough patronage at the same time. It's like in your core competency. Cause I, I read an article recently about, and Jim Rickards is the one that, you know, spoke to this and turned me onto it, but it was the hurts. You know, it hurts when you know one of the companies that went bankrupt, and you had you know so much money go into uh, that company at the bottom, even though they had filed bankruptcy, issued stock in bankruptcy, and it yeah. totally screwed. Oh, yeah. Right, and that's the thing is how much wealth and how much money do people lose well, I, during that? And it could yeah. have been prevented had they understood capital stack, had they understood the process of bankruptcy, how they understood what they were actually doing, and why there wouldn't be liquidity if they were able to come out of that. There's a lot of that to come. You know, I mean, Nordstrom uh, is in trouble because the amount of money they borrowed to stay afloat and you cannot, you know, when you get into borrowing money to stay afloat, that's not a sustainable business model to continue to borrow, to continue to need stimulus. And even Marcus and cause stuff like that, he's just, there's so many retailers could make it. Meanwhile, Amazon continues to be a behemoth that is just unimaginable. Another one that's interesting is Tesla. Uh, the PE on Tesla is sixteen hundred today. Oh my gosh! So for those, <laughs> like how is that? Po- I don't even know if that's possible. That's kind of a big one, isn't it? So for the uninitiated, a PE is simply how much money you pay 
to get $1 out of a box that makes dollars, right? I mean, the picture Tesla is a box that makes dollars. So when $1 comes out, how much did you pay in price to get that dollar? $1,600. So you either believe you're going to live for 1,600 years to get that money back, or you believe they're going to have 1,600% growth, which could happen. You know, I mean, you could grow a company by 1,600. But if GM, if you took Tesla's price or Tesla's PE and superimposed that on GM stock price, you know, I don't know how many thousands of dollars the share GM would be going for right now. You know, so it is an interesting time. You know, my point in saying that was again, what you were able to do, right? Where it's education, it's like people want to take advantage of you know, the volatility in the market and what's happening with companies as they're restructuring, they they're always looking for opportunity. And at the same time, novice, you know, novices get, get hurt, pigs get slaughtered. Right. So it's one of those, it happened quite a bit. And so, you know, education is the key. If you want to participate in that arena, especially an arena as complex as options, because that's a big piece of what's pushing markets so high is just the amount of leverage that's out there in derivatives. It's crazy. Tell us a little bit about your business. Tell me about, we've talked about, you know, 2020, 2021, what's on your list? What's your focus? Where are you, when you think 2021 and what you're going to get done or position yourself to do, what's on that list? Well, for me, it's all business at this, at this point, right? What I focused on last year and I'm still focusing on is two things. Number one, I realized that there's so much efficiency in, in my business. And number two, I realized that people weren't necessarily the solution to all of the inefficient, all the inefficiencies. And that's where, you know, I kind of adopted this slogan of, you know, systematize the predictable so you can humanize the exceptional, where I looked at really what makes the world go round from a human relationship standpoint is human connection, human relationship. And that's what I think is exceptional. And there's a lot of, I would say, technology and systems that are behind the surface, right? That can make it so that there's more of that. And so that's where my big focus has been, right? Is to take my technology game to a higher level. From like a process standpoint, it's pretty good, but we're, you know, developing some technology right now that will essentially just create better experience, more efficiency, make things simpler. And here's the thing, Andy. Going back to again a message to those that are listening to this, I'm not the only one. Like I'm not smart by any means, right? Companies are out there doing the exact same thing, but at a way bigger scale, right? And that's where, like I said before, the disjointment of resources, okay, task-oriented jobs, I think are gonna be a thing of the past. And I believe that really the skill set that is going to create you know, infinite possibilities is the ability to connect with people, to speak, to market, to write, to do things that, you know, really invigorate the human spirit. And you may think it's, you know, even at maybe a job that's meaningless at at a grocery store or at a, I mean, there's still so much value. Like you go to a restaurant over and over again, because mostly because of the experience you have with people, not necessarily just the food. Right. No, so if you think about it, I think that is going to be the commodity. It's the commodity of all commodities is the ability to connect, is the ability to speak to people, communicate a message, to sell, to market. And I think those are skill sets that are the humanizing, the exceptional. So a lot of my focus, right, is to integrate a lot of the technologies that are out there that can make that essentially it's kind of ironic of what we do. You know, ironic technology to humanize, you know, that's kind of ironic, but it's what technology should serve the human. That's what it's for, should do. What are you working on? What do you, what's like, what's your 20? I want to have dinner with the Donahoe's more often uh, in 2020, 2021. You know, I don't think Hawaii is going to happen yet for us. That was, you know, that trip with Hawaii with you got your family was just insane. I want to do some more of that. I want to live more. You know, a lot of personal goals that I have. I thought 2020 was a wake-up call for my health because I thought, gee, you know, I can't be heavier and pre-diabetic and all this. So that was a big one. So a lot of personal things. Uh, from a business standpoint, the word I would describe my goals is selective growth. To be a little bit more picky about which type of student we will welcome and yet grow in terms of language platforms, you know, so many people that are global, like we serve the U.S. pretty well, but there's so many people globally 
that we don't serve and technology can help us with the language barriers. And so we're going to, we're going to be more selective in who we, there's some people that are just not fun to teach and not ready to teach and not in the right mindset to teach. You know, there's temperament is a big deal to me and we have better students if they have a good temperament. So we're going to be selective, more selective, but yes, still grow. Relationship. There's two sides to relationship. You got to have both sides in order for something to grow. Maybe we can end end with something like this. Uh, But you taught me something a couple of years ago that, I mean, I'd heard before, it's a very common statement and maybe you can just break it open or unpack it for me. In order to get from where you are to where you want to be, number one, you had to identify where you want to be, right? That, That has to be defined. Then the gap that stands in the way is information, or it's motivation. And yeah. information, there's all the information for a person to do amazing things in life is there. I mean, it's free, it's there, but it comes down to the motivation to do it. And sometimes it, that's built in, sometimes it, it's coached. But again, human behavior is so baked into like who we are, our habits, the way we operate, right? It doesn't just change o- overnight. Uh, and that's something that's uh, that's profound when it comes to hiring employees, when it comes to bringing on clients, bringing on partners, bringing on contract groups, uh, those that help you do certain things. Like there's habits built into that that are easily identifiable if you know what you're looking for, right? Because in the end, that motivation, that mentality, that drive, which you know creates that human connection dynamic, whether it's business wise, you know, friendships, business, you know. Uh, client uh, relationships, right? It makes a huge difference because if it's not there, man, the cost is way too, it's not worth it. Way too extreme. Yeah, I agree. That is a good note to end on it. It always seems to come down to some kind of personal development and just keep on evolving and developing every single year, learning from what this year was and putting it in the next. So we'll end with that. This is Jim's book. I mean, I got his book right here. It's on audiobook too. I didn't have it when I interviewed him. But he talks about the environment being in the great new depression or the new great depression. But he had some optimistic things to say. But in the end, that's the environment. That doesn't have to be your life. Yep. I agree. Awesome stuff. Thanks so much, Patrick. Dude, it's so good to see you and hang out for a bit. Awesome. Same with you, Andy. Thank you for your time. And there'll be another one. All right, man. (laughs) See ya. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.